Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. So hello and welcome to another Wessex LMCs podcast. My name is Laura Edwards and I'm a GP and one of the medical directors at Wessex LMCs and today I'm joined by Dr Catherine Edmonds. Hi Catherine. Hi Laura, thank you so much for having me along today. Hi Catherine, so um, welcome. You are a GP uh, near, at Odium near Basingstoke and you um, are a co-chair of the Green GP Network, which is in Wessex and part of the Greener Practice Network uh, nationally. And you've come to talk to us today about green issues. Um, and I wondered if you could start by telling us a little bit about Green GP that I've mentioned there. What is that? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so Green GP is uh, an informal network that I started about four years ago, three years ago, um, when I just became aware that most of us, well, everybody is aware that there is a climate crisis, um, an impending crisis with our climate, and most people are taking steps in their private life to do something about it. So, for example, at the time I was thinking about it, I was recycling, sorting out my recycling. Some people think about driving less or they think about cutting out single use plastics in their life. But it occurred to me that we didn't seem to be doing anything at work. So it wasn't something that was ever mentioned in terms of our clinical practice. I'd never had any education on it in my training as to what impact we were having um, on the climate, but also what impact the climate was having on our patients' health. So I started to talk a bit about it with other people and realised that actually quite a lot of GPs who also think this is an important subject. So we started up an informal network called it Green GP um, Wessex area because it was supported by Wessex LMC at the beginning. Um, and we use it as a forum to share ideas and share learning um, and sometimes promote the cause to uh, bigger organisations like the CCG or the LMC um, or the RCGP to try and encourage the use of training and um, formulary and just to try and change our clinical practice to be a bit more environmentally sustainable. So about last year, we joined up with the Greener Practice National Network. So it turned out it's not just us doing this. There's lots of groups across the country of GPs doing similar work. So we all joined together uh, just to in increase our, our power, increase our um, sharing of learning. Um, and and that's, that's worked really well. That's great to hear. So um, we'll come to the end and we'll, we'll talk about how people can join with that. But I, I guess some people who've, who've kind of scrolled onto this podcast might be sat there going, wow, Catherine, that sounds great. And, and it's great that you're managing to do some stuff at home and I'm managing to do a bit at home. But at work, I'm absolutely flat out. The world is going utterly crazy right now with COVID. We're in an emergency. Everything's a crisis. Do we do we really have time to fit it in? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I am a GP and I know what it's like. We barely get time to go to the loo during the day, let alone think about how we can improve our climate impact. I think the thing is that those of us who find it important, and a lot of people do, actually find it's a very positive thing to work on. Mm. So as GPs, we spend a lot of our time doing things that are very reactive. So um, if, you, if, you, if you're familiar with Eisenhower's triad, you know, the urgent, not urgent, important, not important, um, decision matrix and we, as GPs we spend almost all of our time in that urgent and important box mm. it's very reactive it's very pressure it's actually quite an uncomfortable place to be to be spending most of your time so mm. it's a very it's a very positive and proactive thing to spend some time thinking about um, the culture of our workplace 
how we want healthcare to be in the future, the culture of how we want to provide healthcare to our patients rather than just responding to urgent demands as they come through the door. So I think it is a very nice, it's a very nice, a very nice, positive, happy place to be. Um, it's also very good for building teams. So when you start talking about it, some people won't be on their radar. Fine, fair enough. But for some people, actually, it's very important to them. And outside work, they'll often be thinking quite a lot about the environment and what they can do. So to start thinking about that at work is quite powerful. And it brings people together on, on a level that they may not have otherwise bonded over. I think the important thing to remember, though, is it's not about creating yourself more jobs to do a longer, a longer task list. It's about talking about it and considering whether it is a priority. And if so, then thinking about how you can change your culture so that sustainability is considered at every level of your decision making. So some people break it down into the four pillars of, of sustainable medicine. Um, the first one, the most important one, is preventative medicine. And actually, everything that's good for the environment is really good medicine. It's good clinical practice. So the best thing that we can all be doing is looking at preventative medicine, because actually, if you reduce disease and illness and you reduce hospital admissions, that's the quickest way to reduce the climate impact of healthcare. The NHS, by the way, has a huge carbon footprint in, in terms of the national sort of carbon emissions. The NHS make up a big part of it. So reducing pa the patient burden, the burden of disease um, and how much we need the NHS is, is definitely the biggest and first step. And, it, and it's good. It's good clinical care. You know, it makes sense to do it. The second pillar is um, patient self-care and empowering patients to, to manage their own disease. And this is where you can use your social prescribers and lifestyle coaches. And again, it's about changing your culture. It's about signposting patients rather than the first thought is they need to see a GP and therefore be medicalized and probably end up with a prescription. Actually, can you siphon people off at an early stage? Is a social prescriber better? Is some lifestyle medicine, some lifestyle coaching and health coaching going to solve this problem and, and keep them healthier for longer? And therefore don't even get to the stage where we start thinking about pharmaceuticals and medicines, which of course have a big, um, a big impact on the climate. Um, the third pillar is looking at efficient systems. So when you're setting up your um, a new system in the practice or the way that you deliver healthcare, looking at how can you provide the care that needs to happen in the most efficient or the, the leanest way. So, for example, can you reduce patient trips by doing the blood test and the ECG at the same day and then having a telephone follow up? E-consults and telephone triage have been have been really good, in fact, for this because you can make your systems much more efficient. And then the fourth pillar is the thing that most people think about when they think about the environment. So that's the low carbon alternatives, cutting your carbon footprint. So the really big hitters there for us in primary care are um, pharmaceuticals, particularly inhalers, actually, um, which we can talk a bit more about because probably inhalers is the biggest um, thing that most people can do in their day-to-day -day life. So yeah, sorry, a long answer to your question, but how, how do people fit it in? Well, it's not about creating something more to do that you feel resentful of. Actually, it's about changing your whole culture and doing something that everyone feels positive and proactive about. That's, that's really good. And I think it's important, like in two ways, isn't it, that, that it, it, it isn't all just about doctors and what we're doing in our rooms. Um, so we shouldn't feel that burden of responsibility that it has to be us. Um, actually, there's equal 
kind of rules for everyone in the practice if you if you're doing it properly but at the same time there is something we can do so there is power in what in what we do as well um, and what we're doing in our consultation rooms and that's not only in what we are prescribing but also what we're not prescribing as well um both of those things are, are kind of equally important aren't they um so that's that's really interesting and um you mentioned about the um, carbon footprint there, and I, th I think that's something that has shocked people. Um, I think I, I heard you gave a talk to some other uh, GPs, uh, and one of the messages they came away with, one of them was really surprised about, about the inhalers. Could you just tell us a little bit more about inhalers and, and why they're good or not? <laughs> yeah, so I think just to pick up on your point, though, before I do, um, about it not just being a job, job of the doctor, you're totally right, and it's not just the partners or the practice manager either. I think the best thing a practice can do is to ask their their team, everyone in the team, who's interested and who wants to be involved, because you need people at every level. So you need people um, from an administration point of view. The practice nurse is really important. The additional roles, so social prescribers, um, really important. So actually, if anything, it shouldn't be the senior managers taking on another job. It should be part of the culture and something that people from every aspect take on. So yeah, inhalers. Okay, um, inhalers are a really big one. I can talk a lot about inhalers, but the headlines are that it's about um, the difference between MDIs, so metered dose inhalers, and dry powder inhalers. The metered dose inhalers are the traditional puffer style, mm. and they use quite a potent greenhouse gas to propel the medication into your lungs. Um, now they say CFC free. CFC is a very, very potent greenhouse gas and they have moved away from that. But the gases they use are still very dangerous and damaging. So unfortunately, I think sometimes the messaging is, well, if I use CFC free, it should be fine. It's not fine at all. To give a comparison, um, an MDI inhaler, so to use it until it's empty, has a carbon footprint equivalent of driving something like 170 miles, whereas a dry powder inhaler is about four miles. Wow. So it's, it's huge yeah and that's not just from when you use it and puff it but that gas also leaks it leaches out into the atmosphere and um, if you have one sitting in a drawer or, or it goes in the bin and goes to landfill so one of the biggest things that we can do is improving um, asthma management so it's not necessarily it's not really about changing everyone over to a dry powder inhaler just a blanket move that's not right it's not good healthcare. But if you can improve someone's uh, management so that they're only using half as many puffs, for example, if they're on, they, do they need a higher dose so they use one puff rather than two, or if they are able to switch to a dry powder inhaler, then that's going to be the biggest gain that you can make. And again, that's not always about GPs. In fact, most of us don't do much asthma care at the moment. It's mostly practice nurses. So getting them on board, there's some really good training courses um, and educating them. So it's part of every annual review is looking at technique inhaler disposal and actually could they be better um better off on a dry powder inhaler there's now also a financial incentive to do that so um, there's quite a lot of money from the iif um, fund that's attached to changing our inhalers and it's also something that's really auditable because all the information is available online um, find the website for you I can't think of it at the top of my head but they, they audit it regularly so you can get the information of how you compare to other practices Okay, so yeah like inhalers is a big one something like fingertips is it fingertips or you'll, you'll have a look anyway okay we, we'll see if we can come back to that so, so open, open prescribing open prescribing it's called open um, prescribing. lovely okay and that's practice level detail isn't it practice 
CCG um, all over the place. They've got, yeah, if you look at openprescribing.net website, you can find your practice. Um, there's a green dashboard and it tells you exactly where you sit with inhalers and they do it month by month. So you can look, if you make a change, you train your, your practice nurses or you run a, um, you know, you run a campaign to do it and advise all your GPs. And then you can look at what difference you've made since last month or two months ago. And another thing that's really helpful actually with inhalers, so some CCGs, if not most, have now got a green inhaler formulary. So if your CCG hasn't got one, contact them, find out who the pharmacist is and ask about it because they can they can definitely develop one. And it makes it really easy to see which inhalers are the dry powder because I'm I'm rubbish. I'm you know, I really couldn't tell you with the different names what that what the device looks like and how to use it. But actually, if it's in front of me on a formulary, I've printed it out, it's on my on my desk, I can see very clearly which inhaler to use that's a better carbon alternative. And that's how you get the money through from the IAF as well. Great, that's that's fantastic. I think the IAF largely is all kind of hanging in the balance, a bit paused at the moment because of um, the current crisis that we're in. But I think those incentives will will come and still will be there. And it's great to hear that um, they're helping kind of incentivize us moving in the right direction on a number of fronts. Did you want to touch on on kind of why we should be fussed about this? You, you've mentioned a bit about about patients and it being good for them and good for us. Was there anything that you wanted to expand on around that of of kind of why we should be bothered about this? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I really need to persuade people that climate change is a problem. I think the vast majority of people recognise that it is a problem and it's an impending crisis. I think probably what people maybe need persuading of is that they can make a difference mm. um, and that it probably is part of our responsibility as GPs so it feels sometimes like everything is our responsibility yes. <laughs> so you have to pick your battles a little bit but as I said this is a part this is about providing good clinical care so it's not just another thing to do actually it's about looking at how you work and, and aligning that um, the other thing is it's going to become increasingly incentivized. So at the moment there, you know, we're talking about there is some money attached to it. That's only going to get more important. Eventually there, there will probably be um, disincentives, you know, carrot versus stick um, to, to make these changes because it, it, has to ha it has to happen one way or another. So I suppose you could look at it as do you want to be an early adopter or do you want to wait until it's pushed upon you? And actually, if you can embrace it now at this stage, you it will be a much more positive, proactive change that will be much better for your team morale and team culture rather than waiting until it does become just another one of those things you have to do. Um, there's a really good practice. It's an excellent example called Froome, Froome Medical Practice, and um, F-R-O-M-E. And if you have a look at their website, um, they talk a lot about sustainability and how they've encouraged it is just that's just what they do so when they recruit and interview people they say that this is one of our priorities is it something that you're interested in and you're willing to align to they have a drop-in hub for their patients in the practice with their doors open where patients can go in and look at community groups and um, exercise walking groups all the social prescribing stuff so before they even get to the receptionist <laughs> they have that option so yeah you know and, and they, they're a very they're a very positive outward looking practice that's really got very good links with their community so I think I think in terms of why should you do it it's not just because we should because it's our responsibility it's everyone's responsibility but also it has huge benefits to your your culture your job enjoyment your team as well 
Excellent. And and so I think always when you paint something like that, I can feel myself feeling the pressure to, to do something, but it's often that where do you start? So do you have any words of wisdom, Catherine, where, where people can start with this? If they say, yes, I do feel that need, what, what can they do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think one of the easiest things you can do if you use social media is to have a look at the Green GP Wessex uh, Facebook and Twitter pages and follow us because there's bits and bobs of information and hints and tips that come up on there reasonably quick, frequently uh, and also people sharing questions and ideas. So that's a very easy thing. It'll take you 30 seconds. Um, the website, the Greener Practice website is a really good source of information as well. So having a quick look at that and just being aware of it to direct patients to and to have a look at yourself. And then if you want to start making some changes, I'd suggest you look at the Green Impact for Health Toolkit. So this was developed by um, RCGP and it is a very easy to complete auditable toolkit of changes that starts with very basic things that you will probably already be doing and builds up to um, changes that are a bit harder and take a bit more effort. And they keep tally of what you've done and you score points and then you get a nice certificate if you get enough points for a bronze, silver or gold award. But it's just a good way of, as you say, if you don't know where to even begin, have a look at that and, and read. There's over 100 different things to do. And you can read it and just say, yeah, OK, those ones are achievable. Those ones are not. That sounds fabulous. Those are some great suggestions there, Catherine. So thank you so much for that. And I think that's um, been really thought provoking, um, just to remind us of, of what we can do both at home and at work, and that it should be a whole team approach. And I think, um, again, in my own mind, if you put the offer out there to the whole team, you'll, you'll find that there's, as you said, people who are already impassioned about this, who, who will help on the journey of the practice as well. So um, some great places to go there and some really compelling reasons um, that we should be thinking about this. So thank you, Catherine, for your time today. Um, we've, I've really enjoyed our conversation and um, hopefully perhaps we can have some uh, more conversations about how people um, can get this stuff applied in their lives and also some other little areas that um, perhaps they could look at and think about on the green uh, topic. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Laura, so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.